Thanks for coming up today. A reading from the book of Revelation. After this I looked, and there was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, robed in white, with palm branches in their hands. They cried out in a loud voice, saying, Salvation belongs to our God, who is seated on the throne, and to the Lamb. And all the angels stood around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures, and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, singing, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders addressed me, saying, Who are these, robed in white, and where have they come from? I said to him, Sir, you are the one that knows. Then he said to me, These are they who have come out of the great ordeal. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. For this reason, they are before the throne of God and worship him day and night within his temple. And the one who is seated on the throne will shelter them. They will hunger no more and thirst no more. The sun will not strike them nor any scorching heat. For the lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd, and he will guide them to springs of water of life, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. The word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be, be to God. God. The Holy Gospel according to St. John, the 10th chapter. At the time of the festival of the dedication took place in Jerusalem, it was winter and Jesus was walking in the temple in the portico of Solomon. So the Jews gathered around him and said to him, how long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. Jesus answered, I have told you and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name testify to me, but you do not believe because you do not belong to my sheep. My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. What my Father has given me is greater than all else and no one can snatch it out of the Father's hand. The Father and I are one. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise Praise you, Lord. 
Well, maybe it's the beautiful weather. Or maybe it's the fact that it's Mother's Day and a great day of celebration. Or maybe it's the fact that I don't really like sheep and I don't really like being called a sheep and I don't really like preaching on sheep that much. <laughs> but this, uh, if I think I've said this before, the last sheep that we had on our farm stood outside in a lightning storm and was struck by lightning even though it had a nice, warm, beautiful barn to go into. That's my measure of the intelligence of sheep and my experience of their... So I don't always like being called a sheep. But, uh, but just this, this passage in Revelation today really struck me. And it probably kind of rings out of us a little bit uh, memories of songs that we sing. If you're a fan of Handel's Messiah, it's Revelation 5, I know, that's quoted specifically uh, in the song, Worthy is the Lamb, from that beautiful, beautiful gift of music. Uh, but it hearkens to, to Revelation 7 that we read today as well. Or perhaps you know the words, Salvation belongs to our God and to Christ the Lamb forever and ever. Right? You know those words? Or um, back when Christian music was either Michael W. Smith or, um, who was the other one? Amy Grant, right. When those were your two choices, there are millions now, but, but uh, Michael W. Smith saying, Worthy is the Lamb, worthy is the Lamb, you are holy, holy. So this passage of Scripture, and there are others as well, I'm sure Justin right now is going through about 60 different songs that come out of this passage, right? But this, this song, or this, this passage today is, is music literally to our ears, and these uh, words are used in song because of what they say to us, the promises that they bring to us as Christians. And as Christians, we have this call to sing these songs into our everyday life, to sing the promises of God into our everyday life, not just on Sunday and not just with quote-unquote Christian songs, but with other songs that we sing as well. But this song of praise that we hear today is a song of promise, a vision that, that John has that is a, a gift to the church then, a church in much suffering then, and certainly a gift to us now. I remember a group that Karen was part of when she was struggling through chronic illness for many years, and uh, the theme of that, the sort of the theme verse of that group was this passage from Job. And the person who had started the group had, had kind of chosen this passage, God gives songs in the night. Well, today is a beautiful, well, it's kind of a beautiful day. <laughs> Maybe it feels good after that scorching heat that we had. I'm, I have a theory that when you're, if you're a native to the Northwest, you're freezing cold at 66 degrees and you're boiling hot at 73. There's sort of a five-degree range of comfort. Um, but, but it's a beautiful day today, and it's a, it's a beautiful day of celebration, celebrating our mothers, and, and for our family especially, it's kind of doubly blessed because it lines up that we're also celebrating the day that my wife became a mother. We're celebrating Jaden's 16th birthday today as well. So in our house, it's a great day of celebration. But uh, we also know that sometimes those songs are not, they're not just songs of praise, they're not just songs we sing in the bright and cheery times, but they also are songs that we're called to sing 
in the night or into the night when there is darkness and when there is difficulty all around. I heard Maya Angelou uh, uh, read one of her most famous poems, and I, f- I feel like it's almost sort of sacrilege for anyone else to read it now. I need a, I need a video screen up here to, to put her on. But, but in her poem, I Know Why the Caged Bird Sings, there's this repeating uh, mantra or, or line or, or kind of stanza that she, that she has there, and it says, it says this, The caged bird sings with a fearful trill of things unknown, but longed for still. And his tune is heard on the distant hill, for the caged bird sings of freedom. Our call in in, in a great sense as Christians is to sing songs of freedom into our world, into our own lives, into the lives of others. And to listen also, to listen for cries of freedom as well, and to join our voices with those cries. Well, all this talk about singing in the book of Revelation is is kind of uh, centered around this sort of round-the-clock worship of God. Um, And and someone in our our Man of Bible study this week kind of read my mind, because when I read through this passage before, I, I think, okay, so in the life to come, in eternity, in heaven, all we do is stand around the throne of God worshiping, you know, 24-7. And, her, and she, she kind of chuckled and she said, you know, my mom used to say, I'm not sure 24-7 worship is totally what I want to do all the time in, in, in heaven. She said, you know, maybe we could do a little gardening or go for a bike ride once in a while, something like that. But you see, the words that are spoken in this particular passage are, are the important piece of it. Salvation belongs to our God and to Christ the Lamb forever and ever, as the song goes. This, this word for salvation, soterio, is related to a word, another Greek word, erene, or in, in, uh, in uh, um, Hebrew, the word shalom, which we know very well. Soterio, or soterios, this word for salvation, also carries this idea, as those other words do, of a sense of, of peace, but, but not just a lack of conflict, but a, but a sense of wholeness, that everything is whole. Everything is is taken care of. All things are right uh, in the universe, in a sense. That kind of of sense of wholeness is what carries through here. And and, and John of Patmos, the writer of of the book of Revelation, kind of writes these words for a couple of different reasons. For one reason, he could join with, with Maya Angelou in her, in her poem because he too is a caged bird. He, he writes this song, he writes down this vision that he's given as a song of freedom, especially for those in the church who are suffering. The revelation given to him is, is a song of, of salvation for God's people, of wholeness for God's people who are in turmoil and in trouble. And the second reason that he writes this, or kind of the related reason, is is he sings this song of wholeness or offers this song of wholeness because it's in contrast to the world that offers itself as the solution or as the sense of wholeness and peace for us. You've maybe heard of the Pax Romana before, the peace of Rome. Rome saw itself as as giving order and peace in, in the known world. But, in, but they didn't do that by offering themselves. They did that by control and they did that by wiping out any ideology or any, any opposing force. And they were, they were fantastically efficient at doing that. 
And certainly Christians at this time were on their list of, of ones to wipe out and to wipe off the face of the earth. And so in a kind of sense of defiance, John writes, really, the entire book of Revelation is filled with code against the, against the Roman Empire. But he writes these words today that salvation does not belong, so the sense of peace and wholeness does not belong to the Roman Empire. It belongs to our God and to Christ the Lamb forever and ever. Now, we don't need the Roman Empire around us to see all of the different claims on our life that offer us peace and wholeness you know, and tranquility, either for our own, you know, kind of reflecting back on ourselves kind of personally and maybe a little bit selfishly, or, or offering it for our community or our family or whatever it might, it might be. Those, those claims, those offerings are never totally complete. They might be helpful. Uh, they might be useful in some way, but, but John centers us around the source of our salvation, the source of our peace, and he offers that uh, to, his, uh, to those who follow Christ in that day to, to give them strength and to give them peace in their suffering. He offers that to us today. These songs that we have are in our bones. They become part of who we are. I had a friend in seminary, um, and every year in the seminary we would have the, they would have this book sale. The library would kind of have these books, and sometimes students would, would give ones that they had used and didn't need, or the library would be kind of ridding itself of different things. And it was, you know, it was 50 cents for paperback and 75 cents for hardback. It was a pretty, pretty good price for a seminary student. Um, but I had this friend who had, who had been in a memory care center in her, in her internship or, or in, her, uh, in her clinical pastoral kind of chaplaincy part of her education, and, and she was going through and she was buying all of these old hymnals. Now, this friend of mine had a beautiful singing voice, just marvelous singing voice, and she was buying all these old hymnals, and I went up to her and I said, why are you buying those moldy oldy, you know, songs, you know, what, what's that for? And she said, oh, well, I discovered something on my, in my chaplaincy uh, training this, this past summer, going into these memory care facilities and trying to communicate with, with some of the people there who had, who had lost you know, the names of their children or had lost most of their memory. She said, if I started to sing some of those old songs, they would suddenly, like, the light came on in their eyes and they would snap to attention and they would be able to sing along. I know it's not a song, but I remember offering communion to someone in a memory care facility myself when I was a pastor in Tacoma and, and going into that place and, and the woman I was trying to serve communion was confused and she was sort of dropping the bread and she was you know, here, there, and everywhere. She didn't seem to understand much of anything. And then we prayed the Lord's Prayer, and just like that, she knew every single word. The biggest memory I have of that is there was also kind of out of the corner of my eye, uh, I saw this, I don't know if they still have candy stripers. I've told this story before. But anyway, they had, there was this very young woman in kind of this striped uniform, and she was frozen in mid-step and staring at us with her mouth just gaping open. And I kind of saw her as we were finishing up communion. I was kind of aware of her presence. She just stood there the whole time. I actually even motioned her. I said, do you want to join us? And she just kind of shook her head no. And I went over to her later and I, and I said, I, I just have to ask you, what, what was it that you were just kind of frozen over there? And she looked at me and she said, I've never seen that woman remember anything in her life. Her family visits, I've never seen her remember anything. How did she know that? Because it's the song of our hearts. 
It's the song that's been knit into us and is in our bones. It's why we continue to sing these songs. Why we worship. And it matters that they are in our bones. It matters that we worship. It matters that we practice at home. That we carry this promise to gener- through the generations. We were blessed on this past Wednesday as a youth group to hear the witness of a, of a woman who spent 47 years as, an, as, a, as a nurse, OB nurse, labor and delivery nurse. She was around babies her whole entire career. Even though she herself had experienced terrible loss, even though she herself had had to bury a child, she continued to sing that song of life and hope through her own difficult experiences. And she carries that song now, even in her retirement, to holding drug-affected babies in dark rooms and rocking them and rocking them and rocking them as much as her strength will hold. She sings that song of promise and hope. I think you must carry a song in your heart, right? To, to carry yourself through something like that. And, and she sang that song to our youth this last Wednesday. Salvation in this passage isn't just some sort of ticket that you punch to to get up to heaven. It is that sense of wholeness that only God can give. We can experience it. We have experienced it, hopefully. It's a character trait that many of our mothers carry with them. That sense of peace, that wholeness that they bring. That power and, and authority that they have that is offered in service and love to us. Bringing peace into our troubled hearts. I bet if we had you share with one another right now, you could all come up with some way in which, hopefully, that your mother has brought peace to your troubled heart. I can think of about 10 or 12 or 100 stories. I won't tell any of them now, but mothers who just pursue our well-being. Even when we're terrified to talk to them or we don't want to talk to anyone else. They pursue us. They, they mine out of our hearts, out of our minds, where it is that they might speak peace to our pain. I talked to a mom on Friday who told a story of how her child has just not been himself. And, and she just kept kind of pursuing him and pursuing him. And she just kept running up against a brick wall and just couldn't quite get in. And finally, finally, he was, he was worn down, I guess, right? How many of you were worn down by their mothers? Yeah, right. <laughs> And he, and, he, and he kind of offered this burden that he was carrying. And she was able to speak that promise, to sing the promise of God to him and set him free. We carry a song with us, a song of salvation. When I think of parents forming the faith of their children or helping to form that, I'm all, I always try to remind parents that, you know, you could have the, the best pastors in the world. You could have the best small group leaders in the world. You could have... You know, pick them from, from the most amazing candidates that you could ever find. And still the voice of the parent, the song of the parent, is primary in their child's life. And it's really just singing a song to them. Repeating those promises. Helping them to hear the sweet music and the firm promises of God's salvation through Christ Jesus. And because this song is, is really, it's really an invitation It certainly has commands and demands on our lives, but it's an invitation to come and to sing with our Savior. It really becomes singing with them, doesn't it? Jesus, when he 
when he teaches his disciples to pray, he, he, doesn't, he, he gives them this word Abba for father, which is, which is kind of like the English word Dada. At, at Holden Village, this Lutheran, beautiful Lutheran retreat camp that some of our youth will be going to in a, in a couple of weeks, um, they begin the Lord's Prayer, Abba Ima, right? uh, which is just saying daddy or mommy. It's the, it's the first words that, that children would speak. In other words, when Jesus teaches us to pray, he uses the simplest and first words of a child learning to speak. I'm curious about something. How many of you, how many of you would sing to your children when they were young or do sing to your children because they're young? How many of you would sing lullabies and, and things like that? Okay, right? <clears throat> maybe at night or maybe in a prayer or maybe some other way. I know singing isn't everybody's first and best gift, but I told, uh, I told you I was going to ask you a question in the sermon today. I didn't tell him what exactly. But Justin, can everybody sing? Okay, all right. Now here's the harder question. Why do you say that? Why can everybody sing? <laughs> Because they have a voice. All it takes to sing is a voice, right? Right? Yeah. Yeah. And I would add to that that everyone also carries the promise. They carry the promise. Everyone carries this song of salvation. Another question for you. What age is it that we stop singing to our children? Do you have a sense of that? I am quite sure that besides the song Happy Birthday, if I were to start singing to my 16-year-old just randomly every once in a while, no matter what song it was, I am sure he would just see me as more irritating and irrelevant as I continue down that black hole of, yes, of, of irrelevance would probably be the word. But maybe we stop singing because the song changes, right? Because it gets a little bit more complicated as we grow and mature I will sometimes uh, ask youth what's, what their favorite music is, and I almost never get this sort of straight answer. It usually is something like, well, it depends. Or, it depends on my mood. Or sometimes they'll say to me, I don't know, I just, I kind of like everything. I like a lot of stuff. I wrote a paper in seminary, and I'm still convinced of this fact. I think it's a fact. I said at that time, anybody under the age of 25, so I guess I have to say anybody under the age of 40 now. And, and maybe really it's, it's all of us. All of us carry around a soundtrack to our life. It may be a soundtrack of joy or of lament, or it may probably does vary back and forth. But music and its rhythms and its words carry these, this enormous power with us. But the songs change as our, as our children grow up or even as we grow up and mature as we, as we experience life in new and different ways, they get more complex and, and sometimes they get really hard to sing. Or maybe with our kids, sometimes it's just really hard to keep up. But the soundtrack of faith, this is the beauty of it. It's almost limitless, almost unending. Praise is not the only genre. Lullaby is not the only genre. Songs of forgiveness, songs of sorrow, of joy, of reconciliation, of emotional highs and deep lows, and on and on. We have been given an enormous soundtrack by our God. Jesus himself draws from a song of lament. He draws from the Psalms on the cross. 
when he cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? We have songs for our doubts. We have songs for our hurts that we sing with one another. And sometimes we sing them to one another or we sing them on behalf of one another because they cannot sing the songs. Sometimes we sing on behalf of our spouse or on behalf of our children. I know many right now who are singing for a family in our community who have experienced a troubling loss of a child. And counselors and teachers and others who are reeling from that loss in our community. Singing is powerful. It helps us remember. I talked about that in memory care centers for sure, but, but even in learning a foreign language, I still remember my Hebrew alphabet song. And I'm sure you want to hear it. Aleph, Beit, and Gimel, Dalit, He, and Vav, and Zion. Those are just the first seven words, right? And I remember my, my really weird Greek professor who would say, Gamma, 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 Kappa, Gamma, Ki, Gamma, Xi, all have the NG sound. That's how I remembered that all of those letters have the NG sound. And really, really important stuff for your faith. I know, right? But singing connects us and, and interconnects us culturally. I remember going to New Orleans for the second time to the National Youth Gathering, and we did our service part previous to that, and we walked into this community, walked through the beautiful Garden District, you know, with the trolley cars. Three blocks away from that, we walked into probably the lowest income neighborhood in New Orleans, and, and one that struggled with a lot of, of crime and violence and things like that. We, st- we were in this church, we walked into this church and looked out the window, and there was a cross in the parking lot across the way, and we thought, oh, that probably marks where the church is, and they said, no, that's in memory of a four-and-a-half-year-old who was caught in the crossfire of, of a couple of gangs. And I can see some of the kids, most of the adults, starting to kind of tense up and like, Pastor Jonathan, where are you? Where did you take us this year? Kind of a thing. But then someone from the, and, and they told us too, you know, don't walk down that street at any time of day. Don't walk down that street at any time of day. Don't go out at night without us. You can go that way and you can go that way during the day. So it's, you know, the tense, tension is kind of going up. And then someone from the church came in, someone who, who carried the song of history, of hurt, and of, and of joy, and of deliverance, and freedom of this community came in to talk to us. And I swear, it was like every jazz musician I had ever heard of had come from that neighborhood. And he spoke of, of, of the freedom, and he spoke of the, uh, of the meaning that it had, and the hope that Christ brought to that neighborhood for him and for others, and the history of it. And all of a sudden, it was like we were knit together in this community. We, were, we got to join them in their song. Singing will relieve stress and anxiety. It actually releases dopamine naturally into our body. Music is a painkiller to be used abundantly without prescription, and it has no really fast-talking person to tell you of the side effects. It's all good. There's one last reason that I might have left out that John sweeps us up into this reading to the throne of God where we are, we are centered in the source of our salvation. He is in the midst of speaking to the trials of those around him, as I said, and is speaking to those who are going through great trials. He's had this vision of what's coming in, in those trials and tribulations. He's, he's, he's had this vision of how, of how the martyrs and the saints are crying out for God's deliverance and God's redemption for all people. And, and he's talking about how it's not going to come yet. There will be more martyrs. There will be more who are killed by this evil Roman Empire. There's going to be more hardship. In the midst of that, he breaks into this song. 
He gives them a vision. And that is what we have today. A vision of who God is for us. Of where we are centered. Of the song that we sing that is sung to us and that we sing for others and for ourselves as well. Sometimes in joy, sometimes in hurt, sometimes in defiance of the lies of the world, but in sure and certain hope of our salvation. A song that is sung to us from the Lamb who gives his life for us and the shepherd who leads us. The one who gives himself to us and promises us that every tear, personally, like God creating and breathing into us, will be wiped away and there will be no more hurt and there will be no more sorrow. And we will have wholeness in God, glimpsed now and realized in the life to come. Thanks be to God. Holy, holy, holy. Amen.